open them please to 1 Kings chapter 12. Sunday night we're in a sermon series entitled Losers. And we're looking at men and women in the Bible who blew it. They didn't have to, but they did. They made wrong choices which resulted in wrong conduct, which caused them to fumble the ball in this life and for some of them to fumble the ball in eternity. Tonight we're looking at a loser named Rehoboam. Now as you're turning to 1 Kings chapter 12, and many of you are still looking for it, next to 1 Kings chapter 11, I know you're wondering about the drawing. Well, we're going to do that at the very end of the service for two reasons. Number one, I don't want to look at a bunch of poochie faces while I preach. Three of you will smile, the rest of you will be sad. Plus, at the end of the service, should there be a protest and a riot, I'll be out of town. Okay? So, it's okay with you, we'll wait to the end of the service. 1 Kings chapter 12. Let's begin reading with verse 1. And Rehoboam went to Sheshem. For all Israel were come to Sheshem to make him the new king. Verse 3, And Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and they spoke to Rehoboam, the new king, and they said, Thy father Solomon made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter, and we will serve you faithfully. Rehoboam said to them, Depart yet for three days, then come to me again. And the people departed. And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men, better translation, the elders, that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived, and said, How do you advise that I might answer these people? And they spoke unto him, saying, if thou will be a servant unto this people this day, and will serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. But Rehoboam forsook the counsel of the old men, the elders, the counsel that they had given him. And he went and consulted with young men that were grown up with him, his buddies, his pals, and he stood before them. And he said to them, What counsel give you that we may answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put upon us lighter? And the young men that were grown up with him spoke unto him and said, Thou shalt speak this unto them. Tell them that thy father made our yoke heavy, but you are not going to make it lighter. Tell them that your little finger shall be thicker than your father's loin or waist. And now, whereas my father did laid with you a heavy yoke, I will add to that yoke. My father chastened you with whips, but I will chasten you with the scorpions. It is a good thing to listen to advice or to counsel. Proverbs 11.14 says these words, Where no counsel is, the people fall, 
But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearketh unto counsel is wise. Proverbs 15, 22, Without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Proverbs 19, 20, Hear counsel and receive instruction, and thou mayest be wise in the latter end. Now these truths of wisdom concerning advice and counsel, if you look at them in the total context in which they're given, were the advice and counsel of a father by the name of King Solomon to his sons who would follow him. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, Solomon begins by saying this. He says, My son, those of you that are my children, my son, my sons, hear the instruction of your father. Forsake not the counsel of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and the chains of grace about thy neck. Let's look at the story of Rehoboam for just a moment that we just read. In the story, King Solomon has died. The wisest and richest king who has ever lived has met his match with death. And by the way, all of us are going to die one day too, lest Jesus tarries. King Solomon has died. And Rehoboam, his oldest son, is now the new king of Israel. The people of Israel come to him and they have a meeting. A town meeting, you might say. And they ask him a favor. They make of him a request. They ask him to reduce the taxes that his father imposed upon them. They ask him to lower the tax rate to lift the burden of the heavy taxation that they're going through. Rehoboam listens. And he tells the people that he will think about their request. He tells them to go away for three days, 72 hours, and then return and he will give them his answer. Rehoboam goes to the elders of Israel. The elders of Israel are men who walked with God. They were the very men who advised his father so many times. They're called the older men. He went to them and he asked for their advice. He asked for their counsel. And they said, you would be a very wise man to reduce the taxation upon the people. You would be a very wise man to lower the corporate rate. You would be a very wise man to lift the heavy burden that your father put on the people to build the temple and the kingdom that we have. If you will do that, these people who followed your father will follow you. They will become your servants and they will serve you faithfully all the days of your rule. 
Well, Rehoboam, quite frankly, doesn't like that answer. So he goes to his friends, the young men that he grew up with, his pals, his comrades, his street buddies, and he asks them what he should do. Now these friends that he talks to, that he used to run with on the streets, they're proud, they're arrogant, they're selfish, they're wicked, they have no use for God or the things of God. And they tell Rehoboam what he really wants to hear. They say, don't lower the taxes, we would raise the taxes. Don't lower that tax rate, you up that tax rate. Don't eliminate exemptions or reduce exemptions. Wipe them all out. Sock it to them. Soak the rich. Make them pay for what you want to do. Your father built a kingdom, they can help you build a kingdom. Tell them... Ile dosi levita. Tell them it's the end of the easy life. That their taxation rate is going to dramatically increase under your administration. And Rehoboam listened. And he liked that. Because that's what he wanted. He listened to those friends who had those foolish ideologies. And he listened to those incompetent idiots. And what did it get him? It got him an uprising. The people revolted. And it created a civil war in Israel. In that civil war, Rehoboam would lose five-sixths of his kingdom. And he would set the stage later for his people to become slaves to the Assyrians. Because he would not listen to wise counsel, because he would not listen to wise advice, he nearly lost the entire kingdom and he doomed his people to Assyrian slavery. That's the story. Now, like most stories in the Bible, there's something we can learn from those stories. Every story in the Bible is not just about what happened then, but it's about what's happening now. It's not just about Rehoboam and how he listened to bad counsel. Maybe it's about you and I and how we listen to bad counsel. It's not just about a king who lost the kingdom and enslaved his people. Maybe it's about us and how if we're not keep careful, we're going to lose all that is precious to us. And enslave ourselves and other generations to come behind us. So as we looked at the story, four things jump out tonight that I want to give you. First of all this, Rehoboam was not seeking advice. He was seeking an accomplice to agree with him. Are you listening? He asked for advice, he sought counsel, but he really didn't want the advice or counsel. He already knew what he was going to do. 
All he was trying to do was find somebody who would be his accomplice in it. He was seeking allies to support what he was really going to do. You see, Rehoboam said, my father built a kingdom and his name's all over it. I want to build a kingdom too. And I want my fingerprints to be on my kingdom. And I want my name to be on my kingdom, just like my father. That's what he wanted. He wasn't interested in maintaining what his father had. He was interested in building something for himself. He didn't think about it. He had no consideration, no debate, no study, no analysis, no deliberation. He said, I'm going to raise the taxes. Case closed. And I'm going to find somebody to agree with me. Doesn't that sound like you and I sometimes? We've got a problem. So we go to Pastor Jim for counsel. I tell you what I believe the Bible would have you to know. But you don't want to hear that. So you make an appointment with Pastor Norman. He tells you what the Bible says. You don't want to hear that. So you make an appointment with Keith. And Keith tells you what the Bible says. So you make an appointment with Sam. Sam tells you what the Bible says. So you make an appointment with Amy. Amy tells you what the Bible says, so finally you go to Debbie. And she tells you the same thing. And you don't listen to none of us. Because you already made your mind up what you're going to do. You just want to find somebody to agree with you. Let me say this. When you are looking for foolish, wicked, stubborn people, perhaps like yourself sometimes and myself sometimes, to agree with you on such decisions, you will always find them. When you're ready to make a decision that is out of the will of God, a decision that is foolish, a decision that is wicked, a decision that's detrimental, a decision that will have grave consequences down the road, you will always find somebody just like you that will agree with you on what you're going to do. The devil always has them there to cheer you on. And he had them there for Rehoboam, his so-called young friends. Secondly, I don't find anywhere in 1 Kings chapter 12 where Rehoboam prayed about anything. He came and he made, he, the people came and made a request of him. He said, I'll, give me 72 hours. That was a pretty good decision in and of itself. And then he went to the elders. He didn't like what they said, so he went to his friends, and they told him exactly what he wanted to hear because that's exactly what he wanted to do anyway. He had his allies. He had his accomplices. But nowhere do I find he ever consulted God. 
He consulted those to his right. He consulted those to his left. He consulted those in front of him. He consulted those behind him. But he never looked upward and consulted God. And yet his own father had said to him, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge the Lord, and he will direct your path. Rehoboam didn't listen to his father. He did not consult God. He just simply did what he wanted to do. Not thy will be done, my will be done. I wonder why he didn't consult God. If you were to ask Rehoboam if he was a Christian, he would have said, I am. Why didn't he consult God? Well, maybe it was because of his father. Solomon could talk a good talk. But Solomon's walk was very weak. And Rehoboam grew up listening to his father preach at him. But he never saw his father practice what he preached. Parents, our children and our grandchildren do not learn with their ears. They learn with their eyes. And Solomon was a good talker, a smooth talker. He was very good at speaking, very oratorical. But he never lived up to what he said with his lips. And therefore, Rehoboam just pretty much shut him down when it came to counsel. But also, I believe, Rehoboam didn't consult God not only because of his father and the poor example his father set before him, but I also think it's because Rehoboam wasn't interested in God. Let's just be honest. We can only blame people for so much. His dad was a poor example, but Rehoboam didn't have to be like his father. This victim mentality is nonsense sometimes. God gave us a free will. We can make our own choices. And Rehoboam could have said, even though my dad didn't practice what he preached, even though my dad didn't live what he lived, although my dad didn't demonstrate what he declared, even though my dad didn't conduct himself as he counseled, I will be different. But he wasn't. Because what we do in moderation, the next generation will do in excess. Solomon halfway listened to God. Rehoboam wasn't going to listen to God at all. He tipped his hat to God. He waved at God. But he didn't have any interest in God. He didn't care what God thought. God never crossed his mind. God was no big deal to him. Though he was raised around it all of his life. 
He never prayed. But let's move on. Let me, let me say this too. Just throw this in for nothing. Every prayer failure in our lives, every prayer failure, results in a failure somewhere else. Think about that. If we would just pray about things, it would not create a problem somewhere else. I can speak personally. Every problem I have in my life is a problem because I didn't pray about it. I just thought I was smart enough to do it myself. Prayer is so important because prayer is tapping into the wisdom of God. Thirdly, God gave elders to Israel and to the church that they would be advisors to his leaders and to his people. God gave elders, God gives gifts to nations, and God gives gifts to the church. And one of the gifts that God gave to the nation of Israel, and one of the gifts that God has given his church, the bride of Christ, is elders. And elders were given by God to that nation, and given by God later to the church, to be advisors and to be counselors to the men that God would place in leadership positions, and even to the people themselves. If you notice in verse 6 of 1 Kings 12, it says, Rehoboam consulted with the old men, it says in the King James. Now, you might read that and think, well, that's just a bunch of old men with canes walking around like this. No, that's not what it's talking about, although they were older. Old men here could be better translated elders. Elders in the Bible are spiritual men who, yes, have age on them. And they have experience. Elders in the Bible are men who walk with God. They are dead centered in the paths of love and righteousness and truth. They're not just old men. They're not just men who have experience. They're men who walk with God. And God places them with kings. God places them with pastors that they might advise and counsel with wisdom those kings and pastors to lead his nation and his church. It's interesting when Paul is writing Titus, he reminds Titus of elders. Titus was a young pastor, as was Timothy. They had a lot of potential. Greatness was stamped all over them. But they were wet behind the ears. They were greenhorns. They were rookies. And they needed some men to help them. And carrying on the work of the ministry and carrying on the decision making processes. In Titus chapter 1 beginning with verse 5 it says, For this cause left I Crete that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting. And ordain elders in every city as I appointed thee. Listen to the qualifications of these elders. Because I told you they were righteous men. They were men who walked with God. He says, if any be blameless, 
the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon to anger, not given to wine, not a striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince one and all. There were elders there in Israel that could have helped Rehoboam. But he didn't listen to them. Do you know Moses had elders? Numbers chapter 11 said he had 70 elders who God put in his path to help him. The kings of Israel had elders. The Israel people, the Israeli people had elders. And many times these elders would sit at the front gate of the city. And they were there for the people. They were accessible to the people where the people would come and bring with issues and problems and they would help them resolve them. The early church had elders, as I mentioned earlier. Timothy had elders. Titus had elders. We at Miles Road have elders. We call them deacons. They serve the same purpose as elders do. Deacons in the Bible are not bosses. They're not big shots. They're not dictators. You know what they are? Deacons in the Bible are advisors to pastors and servants to the people. There wouldn't be so much clamor to be a deacon if the men who wanted to become deacons understood that you're not going to rule nothing. You're going to serve the very people that called you to that elected position. And you're going to be advisors and counselors to the pastor. I want you to know I thank God for our deacons at Miles Road Baptist Church. I can't tell you how much I respect and love those nine men who walk with God. I can't tell you how much I appreciate their advice and their counsel on matters of importance and not so important at times. We're very fortunate, Miles Road, to have men of that caliber serving on our deacon board. I also add that we have elders in the way of staff. You know, our staff here at Miles Road serve me as elders. I listen to their counsel. I listen to their advice. We've got an all-star staff at this church. I hope you understand that. They're all-stars. They're Hall of Famers. Very few churches in America have assembled such a cast as God has given us here. And then we have ordained men in this congregation. We've got ordained men in this congregation who serve as elders to me as well. Some are just new here and I haven't got a chance to know them. Some are a little older. But they love this pastor and they love you, the people, and they love this church and they love this ministry. 
And I can call on them at any time. I know that. And I know they will pray for me and I know they will tell me things that are true and right. It's not by accident this church runs so smoothly. It's because we're all a team working together. We listen to one another and we work together. Yes, the book stops with me. But before I make any decision of consequence, I want you to know I talk it out. I talk it out with me first. If I'm not satisfied with it, it's not going any further. So if you see me talking to myself, I'm not crazy. I'm just re-going over it a little bit. And then I talk to the advisors, the deacon leadership, the staff, our ordained people as I can. And then I talk to God. I kind of figure between the three, we're going to get it right. And God has always blessed us in that area. Another thing I see from the story of Rehoboam is this. Our choices of friends will determine our future. I wonder if Rehoboam read Psalm 1-1. He should have. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Rehoboam had a group of elders he could have went to and got wisdom from, and they tried to tell him, Do you know if he would have listened to those elders, the nation of Israel would not have broken up? The nation of Israel probably would not have been carried away by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. You see, when you make decisions in leadership, it has a profound effect on more than just you. Talk to a lot of young men who say, I want to be a pastor one day. But do they really understand what that means? As many of you know who are in leadership positions at your place of work, what you decide has ramifications that go right down the chain. Make sure you pick your friends good because they will carry you one way or the other. In Psalm 1-1, we learn this, according to the Jim Palmer Amplified Version of that verse. If you walk with fools, stand with fools, and sit with fools, you will become a fool. And that's exactly what Rehoboam did. He got his homies together, said, come on, boys. This is what I want to do. I want to build a kingdom. I want my name on the billboard. I want my name in the history books. I need money to do that. It costs money to build more buildings. It costs money to to build more roads. It costs money to conquer more countries. It costs money to take my father's name off all of this and put mine on there. Where do I get that kind of money? You tax the people. And if they don't like it, they can lump it. 
up their corporate rate, up their personal rate. They're too wealthy anyway. Take it from them. And if they oppose you, your father used to whip them with the whip. You whip them with the scorpion. That's what they told him. And he listened to them. They were fools. And he listened to them. And they made him a fool. If you choose to fly with eagles, you'll fly high. If you choose to lie with the buzzards, you'll lay low. Who you choose as your friends and who you choose to listen to and follow their advice and counsel will not only determine what's going to happen to you, but what's going to happen to a lot of other things around you. And I want to close this message by speaking to our young people. I've been here a long time. And I've seen young people just like you who had great potential. I mean, the youth pastor talked about how great they were going to be for God. How they were going to leave this youth group and go out and make an, an influence and impact our world for Christ. But they didn't. In fact, once they got out of the youth group, and some of them before they ever got out of the youth group, fell flat on their face. And not only ruined their future, but ruined a lot of other futures in the process. They wouldn't listen. They were know-it-alls. They wouldn't listen. They wouldn't listen to their parents. They wouldn't listen to the youth leadership. They wouldn't listen to their student pastor. They wouldn't listen to this pastor. They refused to follow the truth that they had been taught. They refused to do right. And they fell. And I don't have to mention any names. You know who they are. They could have been so much, but today they're so nothing. Don't you be one of them. Don't you be one of them. You listen to people that care about you. Your parents have nothing, no, nothing but, but, but good things for you. Why would a mom and dad want to hinder you from being the greatest you can be? You may not think mom and dad know a whole lot, but I'm telling you they do. And the older you get, the smarter they'll get. <laughs> but listen to people that care about you. Sam doesn't get an extra dollar in his paycheck if he for talking to you. <laughs> Your parents tell you because they love you. These men and women who volunteer to work with you, they do it because they love you. Sam does it and Kimberly does it because they love you. And we as a church love you. We want your best interest at heart. We want you to be something. We want you to be an eagle, not a buzzard. We want you to hold on to that truth that you've been taught. We want you to live right. We want you to make something of yourself. We want you to make us proud. But it all comes back to who you'll listen to.
Will you listen to that boyfriend or girlfriend that's not walking with God? Will you listen to those adults whose lives are messed up themselves and they're trying to tell you how not to mess up yours? Will you listen to Hollywood or Nashville? I hope not. I hope you'll listen to your parents. And these young men and women, these youth leaders who work with you, because they care. If Rehoboam could say it to us tonight, he'd say, choose your friends wisely. Because where they're going to take you, make sure you want to go. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.